Game, podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, international break chat. Liverpool, City and Leicester are yet to lose a game. We've had a spicy North London derby as well as the first manager sacking after just four match days of the Premier League. Uh, today we've got a bit of Chelsea corner, ex-championship chat and a Serie A update for you as well as looking ahead to the Ruse and Kuwait World Cup qualifier. Uh, we've got a heavily rotated lineup this week, this week boys. Uh, joined live for the first time this season by Andy and George. Boys, how are you going? Uh, we are going well. We've, we've got the, uh, the, the London studio set up. Um, it's, it's fairly early in the morning. We've got the coffees going. Um, we're well rested, but, uh, but fired up and keen to go, aren't we, George? Yeah, I don't know about well rested. Uh, we're in Ibiza <laughs> last uh, weekend and we're sort of still recovering, but, uh, you know, good to be back, boys. Just Europe away days every weekend for you boys. Yeah, more on the Friday, Saturday rather than the Wednesday, Thursday night matches. Ah, uh, very good. And we've also uh, we're also joined by Damo, who's had a, an extended period away from the pod. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Back to, good to back being in the first team after a few weeks in the reserves. It's just good to get an appearance. Righto, boys. Um, international break this week, as I said, we will catch up on a lot of a uh, lot of Premier League chat. But uh, before we whip into our own goals uh, and moments of the week, has any any international football stood out for you at all? Well, um, we, we caught the uh, England-Bulgaria game uh, yesterday. Um, it was uh, quite quite interesting. I don't think Bulgaria offered much, but um, uh, it was good to see a, a couple of um, the younger English guys get on, Jaden Sancho and Mason Mount in the second half. Um, yeah, and a couple of sort of uh, soft penalties dispatched by Harry Kane. Yeah, Harry Kane, just a uh, flat-track bully. Yeah, like in, in, international-wise, that's that's his thing from the, from the spot, basically. Yeah, boys. I caught with I caught a bit of the uh, Netherlands Germany game. Well, certainly the extended highlights, and uh, that looked like a that looked like a pretty good game. Frankie De Jong getting his first goal for Netherlands against probably their biggest rival. Would you say? Probably on the international side. Um, we the Netherlands still don't have a, a, a number nine, right? I'm, I'm always curious to see how they how they line up up, up top. Uh, boys, what about uh, what about your moments of the week? Because I think Frankie getting his first goal for the Netherlands was was definitely mine. Um, what, what what's stood out for you guys this week or for the past couple of weeks? George, have you got anything? That means you don't. Um, no, I do. I'm going to. Um, I do. What about mine? I'm sort of taking a holistic look at uh, the um, moments of the week and own goals. <laughs> that means you don't have anything. No, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to cast our minds back a few weeks to. Um, uh, Frank Lampard's uh, debut as, as manager at the bridge and um, Andy and I were there and, and we, were, we were sort of part of the, the banner at the start of the game and um, <laughs> all the chanting and, and, it, and it was just uh, such such amazing vibe, guys. And even Andy was singing um, Super Frankie Lampard. So um, got to say uh, that, was, that was definitely my moment of up to this week. Wow, and you had um, you had friend of the pod uh, Benny with you as well, boys. How did how did he enjoy it? Oh, I, I thought he was tearing up at one point. He was liking it that much. He was a bit, so. bit overawed. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> Andy, what about you? Moment of the week, mate. Yeah, look, this is just something I, I picked up this morning. Actually, doing a sort of last minute uh, research, I was thinking what's happening in, in, in the international break. A lot of people find the international break boring. Um, one guy that doesn't is uh, the former Costa Rican manager Gustavo Matosas, who uh, actually. Stepped down as manager of the national team after less than a year of the job because he said the breaks between international matches were boring. So what does he do with himself then? Well, I don't know. He basically he had this really long-winded explanation in view, and he said, "Like, I'm not sorry I took the job, but I didn't realise there would be so many breaks between matches, and all I would have to do is watch videos of us playing." <laughs> I've got to say that sounds like the perfect job. <laughs> On one hand, it sounds like you get you know paid to just turn up a couple of days a year, but he's like, I, I just thought I'd have more time with the players, and I, I miss the boys in between. So, uh, demo. My moment of the week is, you know, like we said, there's not much really going on during the international breaks in terms of club football, but 
The uh, FA Women's Super League actually started yesterday, which I think the FA in England have put a big emphasis on trying to promote. And this was a good weekend for them to start it. It was. It started with a Manchester derby, which was at Etihad Stadium. And they broke the record attendance for a women's club game in England. They got over 31,000 people into the Etihad, which is it's a pretty big turnout, especially considering, I think, the major kind of look that English football fans have towards women women's football. And I think Chelsea play Spurs tonight in the Women's Super League as well, which... I think they're expecting a very similar, if not bigger, turnout. So that's that's really good for women's football in England. Is that more than a city game, Andy? Like a men's <laughs> uh, city game? I don't know. <laughs> I did, I did see, <laughs> what I did are the numbers? See, I... We need some stats. <laughs> I found Damo. Damo's the stat man. But I did, I did see one highlight from that game actually this morning. It was a, it was a very nice goal from uh, one of the city Yeah, players. that was the one where they had the Matrix the, uh, the Matrix camera angle. That was delicious. Yeah, that was, that's elite. How, where do we, can we see that for every goal? Oh, yeah, I, I want to see every like highlights package with a Matrix swivel. It would be amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like we used to do on FIFA. You'd score a goal and like, go and play with the settings and zoom the cameras in and out. And... Yeah, watch the keeper barely diving. Um, boys, own goals. Anything oh, uh, Anything I'll, caught I'll, your eye I'll, in the past couple of weeks? I'll step in here, boys. Um, and uh, I was listening to the pod last week, and I know Colby was pretty excited for the international break, but I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You've got an international break. three Four weeks into the Premier League, two weeks into Serie A, Spain. Um, it's really frustrating. If I was a manager, putting my manager hat on, I'd be very annoyed. You know, you've just got the boys in, starting to build a bit of momentum, and then... Everyone, everyone has to piss off and go on to their international um, international break. So I'm, I'm putting a big own goal on this international break. And I was actually um, I was looking at um, David Squires' um, stuff on the, on the Guardian, and uh, he actually had a quite uh, quite a funny comment. He, he said um, the Premier League being uh, prorogued, um, casting casting a, a call to, to Boris Johnson's sort of work in uh, in British Parliament. So I think that's pretty funny and. Um, Oh, I think it's it's a real it's a very odd odd timing I've got to say and um, yeah not a fan. How are you going to see Indonesia and Malaysia just uh, you know banging banging in worldies and uh, and the ruse are back George you know you you've been in London for all of uh, all of six months or something like that and you've you've just gotten all about the ruse seems Three like months. six. Well, uh, I, I, there's always time for the ruse, Cole, but uh, you know what we'll, we'll the boys have a proper hit out before before yeah, going right. back into camp. <laughs> Uh, Andy, did you have a do you have an own goal in the past couple of weeks? I, I, I do. I'll take us to uh, City out already. Um, uh, you might have seen uh, interplay Cagliari last weekend, and Romelu Lukaku was um, subject to some more uh, racist chanting, which has actually become a bit of a thing for teams going away to play at Cagliari. They've got a particular section of their uh, ultra group who are uh, very vocal. They sit behind the goal and. Pretty horrible when it comes to uh, minority players. Um, and he was subjected to chance. And then the thing that I just I can't understand the, the Inter Ultras actually came out to defend the Cagliari Ultras against one of their own players. So, racists supporting racists from the other team. Um, and wrote a letter to Lukaku to say, Look, don't, don't worry about that. Um, you know, sorry if it upset you, but it's just a thing we do here. Uh, we're just tr- people are just trying to get in, in your head. Um, we're going to do it to other black players, so don't think we're talking to you. Um, which that's terrible. You know, it's the biggest non-apology as well. It's just I just think they don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think they understand. But yeah, they're just baffling to me. So and and unfortunately, the, the real own goal is that the league itself has still is still yet to come out with a statement or to say anything about it. Um, other than to say that they represent a small you know, portion of the fan base, but there's no, been no sanctions at all or anything like that on um, on Kyrie, So, yeah, I, I heard they were doing some sort of an investigation, but you know, as with these the as with these things generally, um, yeah, generally doesn't seem to result in anything uh, in most leagues around the world. And I certainly haven't. Um, you might be able to fill us in, Andy, but I haven't seen any clubs being under any major sanctions in Serie A for these incidents that have been we've been seeing over the years. Well, no, and, and the thing that's, that's disappointing is they've actually got the technology to identify the fans. In a lot of the stadiums, and Cagliari is one of them, they've upgraded their, their whole sort of security and camera system, to, you know, really to, ta- 
help in sort of instances of violence and things in the crowd, but they've got all that sort of facial recognition technology. And there's, there's video from the, from the game. You can actually see three or four guys who are doing the monkey noises and that sort of thing. And you can identify them on like a mobile, mobile phone video, let alone the cameras in the stadium. So it's not like it's something that couldn't be addressed. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that and hope that uh, someone switches the cameras on eventually. Uh, Damo, uh, own goal for you, mate. My own goal is pretty, pretty new news, actually. Watford have pulled the trigger again on a manager. Uh, I think it's their 11th manager in seven years or uh, eight years, I, I read earlier this morning, which it's ridiculous. I mean, you're four games into the season and you've already sacked a manager. I know they haven't played good football and they're the only team in the league uh, that don't have you know, a win. Actually, I don't think Wolves have won, but they've got three points already, but... I mean, I don't think it's that dire at Watford to sack your manager this early. That's just my opinion. What do you guys think? I've got to say, it, 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 it's, um, it's a bit of a, an interesting one, given they've sort of started so poorly, but, um, and, and they're using the international break to, to make the call. But it, it's ridiculous. Four weeks? Are you kidding me? Like, he, he would have had a, a huge plan for the season. Fair enough, it hasn't started as well as he thought, but like... Honestly, and, and I'm pretty sure no that he time. signed. I'm pretty sure that he signed a new two-year contract at the back end of last season when things were going well. So they finally put faith in a manager, and they're looking forward and going. You know, we're going to put our trust in this guy. And four weeks into a new season, they've pulled the plug and done what they do best. And Watford have had um, their best ever season in the top flight last year as well. They got to that FA Cup final. They finished 11th. I think, you know, this is pretty much the best a Watford team has done in the Premier League era. So it's just crazy that he didn't have more karma, more sort of points in the bank. Uh, Javi Gracia, Watford are just being Watford. Yeah, and is there any suggestion of who's going to take over? Yeah, they've given it uh, Chicha. What, what's his name? The the old bloke that they had. Uh, they they yeah, um, they've given it back to an old manager. So it's uh, oh, that always works out well. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm sure that it, it's going to work out for him. Chicha Santos Flores. Uh, so yeah, look looking forward to seeing what he can do with essentially uh, the, probably this. He's probably got a lot of players that were there last time he was at the helm. Who knows. In terms of my own goal, boys, um, we will get to the the ruse later on. But um, Graham Arnold came out before the game and uh, had no hesitation in saying that he believes that this generation of the the Socceroos could be the greatest ever generation of the Socceroos. Um, so yeah, we know we know he's pretty prone to hyperbole and a bit of an early crow. But um, I mean, because y- you might remember in the lead up to the Asian Cup that he said he expects to win every game, only for the Roos to lose to Jordan, who they're now going to face in this World Cup qualifying group uh, and get knocked out by the UAE in the quarters of the Asian Cup. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's he's, he's again setting the tone for uh, a bit of an own goal and and a statement that's definitely not going to age well no i don't think it will age well and he's just adding to the list of his quotes that you were saying before colby a lot of arnie's quotes don't age well and he, he i think he likes to say what he thinks the media and the people want to hear but yeah, sometimes he likes, it's he likes just sound really, exactly it's just but it's stupid to say and he's making headlines for the wrong reasons at the moment well yeah lucky like um, most most people on twitter and um you know, the internet have a very short memory, so. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been a few few people who I reckon are screenshotting and bookmarking that one for later. Uh, and we will get on to uh, the review of uh, the Socceroos' upcoming World Cup qualifier against Kuwait later in the show. But first, boys, why don't we have a look at the Premier League so far? So, uh, yeah, any, any quick uh, thoughts on the first uh, four match days we've seen in the Premier League? Yeah, if, if you want me to jump in, I can just say um, being very impressed by the lack of, of defending and, and, and the goals. It's been um, it's been exciting as, as an overall sort of statement. Um, I've been really pleased actually watching all the promoted teams because as we sort of predicted and as we'd sort of hoped, they've all kind of gone for it. Um, it just sort of doesn't matter whether, whether they're playing home or away. Most of the time... Um, the likes of you know Villa, Sheffield, and, and Norwich have, have come to play, and it's um it's been great to watch. Yeah, on that note, uh, the same thing go. I've noticed over the first <laughs> four weeks is yeah, come on, on here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about <laughs> Sheffield United later. Don't worry here about we, that. I got plenty to say. But no, I don't think there's been particularly any boring games that I've watched this season, and I felt like I've watched a lot of football from the Premier League so far. Um, 
the general trend of football is everyone wants to attack and everyone wants to press high and everyone wants to score a lot of goals. And I mean, it's really exciting to watch for neutrals. And I, most managers are out there trying to play a really attractive brand of football. And I'm really, really enjoying the start of this season. I agree, Dame. I, I like the intent from um, a lot of the teams. There's there's a lot less sort of um, sitting back, uh, like you, you sort of Brighton's and your, your kind of hardest fields sort of last year. And and I think I think teams are going for it. A lot of teams have invested in forwards. Uh, you know, I, I like the look of Ale. I like the look of Wesley. You know, obviously Arsenal uh, as well with their sort of three pronged attack. It's sort of it is much more exciting, but. Um, I've got to say, and and if we if we sort of take a step back and, and have a look at the the league itself, you've got two clear teams who are way better than everyone else. Then you've got a, a probably a batch of ten teams who are average, <laughs> and then the, and then there's sort of the and then you could even say more than ten, and then you've got a, a few who are going to kind of be in that relegation six to eight. Um, so it's a it's quite an interesting league in regards to there's a lot of evenness out there and it's just going to be like um, who can keep it together or who can when when you're having a bad run who who can sort of who stop really fall apart well no yeah who can, yeah. Who can stop the bleeding you're definitely lumping Sheffield United into that ten group of average teams because no chance of going down oh here he is exactly exactly and and, and Crystal Palace pushing for um, Champions League so. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, don't don't sleep on Palace. Um, that's a good segue, George, because um, next question I had for you is which team you think might be punting above its weight. And I think a few of us have uh, spotted Palace up in uh, third. They must be getting nosebleeds up there. Well, uh, yeah, who, who you know, all the, all the Zaha stuff at the start of the season hasn't affected them. You know, got big IU leading the line. So. Yeah, Zaha hasn't even done anything. No, IU's really come into his own in this first four matches. Well, it just shows... Um, it just shows if you've got a if you've got a sort of team with a, a solid base and can and sneak a couple of goals here and there, we'll we'll do okay. And George, just on what you were saying before about uh, the the two teams um, being uh, out and out and away ahead of the pack in Liverpool and City, um, do you think that's something a trend that will continue in the in the Premier League? Um, we did ask this when we had our um, season preview pod, um, but I wanted to get your and Andy's thoughts on this. How long do you think it's going to be a, a two horse race like this in the Premier League? Well, I would, I would say it's going to be like that until, uh, while all the sort of top, you know, what we call the top sort of six teams have strengthened, it will be until they do so across the board and where they need to. I mean, there's, uh, Chelsea have improved, Arsenal, well, Arsenal certainly improved, but not where, not, not in, a, in a complete way. Spurs have sort of not played well for a long time. So while those guys are in that, that next sort of tier down, um, they'll all continue to take points off each other and it seems swap players with each other. So they just sort of won't have the squad depth for a while. And maybe for a team like Spurs, it's a matter of again, trying to hold on to a manager, finally realising some of the revenue from this new stadium. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But for the next you know couple of seasons, I don't see either of the other teams catching up. And with the money in the Premier League, the... Um the other teams uh, in and around that sort of top 10 are, are going to continue to strengthen. So I think this trend will, will continue until maybe um, Pep and Klopp uh, decide to um, put their feet up on the beach somewhere and, and uh, get, get out of the UK. Yeah, I, I somewhat agree with what you guys are saying. But at the same time, the, the point you made about all the money in the Premier League, George, I think all it takes is one summer transfer window for someone like Arsenal or Chelsea and they fill those gaps so well that they're right up there. I mean, that's what Liverpool did. They had one or two transfer windows where they went from being a, barely making the top four to now being a run and away one of the best two teams in the league. So that's all it takes, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, I agree, but also like, Klopp was in there for a, what a season or two. Um, had a, a built his started building his own team the way he liked to play. So I don't think it's that simple. I think it does take two or three years for that sort of cycle to kind of hit its peak. So yeah, Pep was the same. That, that's right, George. Because the money's the money's got to be there, and plenty of clubs um, like we see in the top six have money that they can spend. But the right managers also got to be there, and the right style, and they're, they're, it's all sort of got to come together, hasn't it? Yeah, and you've got to remember when. Pep came in to see. They didn't just bring Pep. They bought the entire backroom staff. They bought, you know, 
the, the transfer advisors and the, the video analysis. Like he, he picked his, a, a whole new range of stuff. It wasn't just players and, and a manager coming in. So it, there's, they need a bit of consistency over a few seasons. Uh, now, just at the uh, the uh, potentially the other end of the table, boys, uh, are there any teams that you feel, any teams or players or managers that you feel are, are going under the radar and people should, uh, you know, sort of pay a little bit more attention to? I've actually Ooh. really enjoyed watching Brighton play. And I think looking at our season uh, predictions of, you know, the final league standings, I wouldn't be surprised if all of us put Brighton to go down or maybe one one spot above going down. No, none of us really expected Brighton to have any sort of foothold in the league, but they've come out and round one, they played some amazing football and, you know, it might be hard for them to keep up that kind of standard. But I think like we were saying before, George, the intent and the way some of these teams are coming out to play. And I think Brighton's one of those where no one expected anything and they've come and played some really good football. Yeah, Graham Potter's done an amazing job, uh, and and it sort of looks like it justifies the decision to to make the change um, uh, the end of last year. So, no credit credit to them. Um, other other things I've sort of picked up and I've, I've liked the look of. Um, um, I've got to say, uh, Alex Iwobi. Um, you know, he he he's, he's come on and he's played. I think he's, he started the last game, and I, I feel like he's he's brought something a little bit different to Everton. Um, he can be frustrating, and all Arsenal fans know that. But uh, I think Everton's a good landing spot for him. So I think he he, he looks like um, it's been too too looks, long since someone's put some respect on his name. Yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. There you go. Watch out this season. Um, and I also um, and, uh, when, as I was saying earlier, we saw um, Leicester uh, Leicester Chelsea a few weeks ago, and um, the the centre back they brought in to replace Harry Maguire, uh, a Turkish guy. Forgive my so pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. He looks like an absolute beast. Uh, good on the ball and, and, a, and a very big man. So, I, I, And he, he looks like he's slotted in um, really well. So um, Leicester looking looking really strong, actually. So I think they're, they're given, um, that given Wolves' European commitments and, and look how it looks like it's affecting um, them, especially at the start of the season, I think, I think uh, Leicester almost look like the best of the rest at this stage. Can Leicester no, no, finish in fourth that. like Tommy C predicted? <laughs> well, uh, um, <laughs> well, if they, 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 I, I don't know if they, they if they, a lot a lot will depend on Jamie Vardy, I think, because he, he's still so important for them in respect of goals. Um, I like the look of Aller as as well at West Ham. You know, he, he's he's always trying to score. He's always you know he's, he's had a few acrobatic uh, attempts uh, here and there, but um, it's sort of his job, isn't it? Yeah, well, no, yes, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> now, that's in the job description. Uh, the job description. We need you to try well, score. You don't thank the postman off. for delivering the post, boys. He's, 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 um, he looks the goods so far. A very shrewd acquisition, and, and they were so. It looked like they were so happy with him. You know, they were happy for Chicharito to, um, to, to go. So. Um, yeah, and the fans yeah. have really rolled out the claret carpet for him there at uh, the Olympic Stadium. Yeah, it could be could be a, a new fan favorite. Well, boys, uh, Damo mentioned uh, predictions before. Uh, are you you all happy with your predictions after four match days? Any anyone want to revise anything? Look, oh. I stand by my predictions. I think they're going to be pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was a bit shocked um, with uh, how Norwich were playing, but uh, I I think you know they'll 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 revert back to to uh, you know the. My, my sort of predicted uh, lower, lower and table finish uh, and potentially relegation. See, I'm, I'm going to disagree. I'm, while I'm quite, um, I was quite bullish on, on Norwich, I'm, I'm actually going to stick with that one. I, I think even though they haven't quite got the results just yet, they're getting a, they're seeing a lot of the ball. I'm, I'm quite pleased by how much, how, how much possession they're actually enjoying in these games. They're going to have a little bit of an injury crisis now, I think, the next couple of weeks. But um, I really like the look of their manager as well. Um, I, I think Norwich will not just stay up, but stay up comfortably. Um, I'm, I'm quite pleased by them. The, you know, the only one that probably revised, I might have been um, a little bit too kind on, on Newcastle. Can I, can I throw one out there, guys, for, for discussion? Uh, what, what, do we think, what do we think about Man U? Like, be honest, you know, you've seen him, you've seen him four games. Um, uh, it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't look like um, Harry Maguire solved all their issues. No, and I mean, it, 
it takes more than one overpriced centre half to solve all an issues at a club like Manchester United. So much is is expected of that club, and they're never going to be able to deliver what they have delivered over the past 25 years. It could take a lifetime for that to happen again. And we've seen that with Liverpool. But at times, Man United can look like no one can beat them. They can play patches across five, ten minutes of games where they look absolutely unstoppable and really good to watch. And then other times, you could look at this team and think that they could be a relegation battle team. So it's for them, it's finding some sort of consistency. And I think that's going to come from a very hard-line manager. They, they're going to need... A manager that is someone that can come in and really set the tone like Pep has, like Klopp has, like Fergie did for so many years. And you need a big personality to run a club like Manchester United because someone like Oli, I don't think it's really his job. On on who's running the club, I, I kind of I still sort of scratch my head at the fact that they they fine, they didn't want Lukaku or he didn't want to be a bench player and fine, they they, they got some money out. They got him out and got some money for him. You got rid of Sanchez as well. But if you have a look at their, their front line, it's sort of Rashford and Martial as the only recognised strikers, and Martial usually plays out wide. So when when you know, when they're both playing and you know it's the 60th minute and they're looking to get someone on to get a goal, they don't have anyone. I think it's absolutely criminal that their their, their squad, uh, their, their forward, forward line is so thin. If they wanted to mount a serious charge and you knew Lukaku was going, you'd have to get a replacement in. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, George, that's that's actually uh, that's a great segue. Uh, speaking of um, mid-table teams with low squad depth, we might uh, whip into a bit of Chelsea corner now. <laughs> that's a good one, Colby. Um, George, it's been a while since we've had you on for a, for a proper Chelsea corner, and um, given that it's the international break, uh, what better time to uh, take a little bit of a closer look at how. Uh, how the Blues are doing this season? Um, how how would you describe the the start to their season? Um, I think it's uh, you've you've got to you've got to look at sort of Chelsea uh, un, with a with a lens of almost like a, it's 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 almost like a new team basically. So Frank's come in and and you can see the football they're trying to play. So going forward, it's so noticeably different from how Sari um, how Sari got them to play. So. With Sari, it was often a slow build-up. Uh, Jorginho, a lot of sideway passes, and eventually they settled on finding Hazard, who kind of pulled the strings and made something happen. But it was it was often a, a slow build-up with with the uh, you know influenced by Hazard or, or William or Pedro. But um, with Frank, um, the 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 intensity uh, going forward is, is is sort of something else. It's it's really fast passing. It's always looking to go forward, and also a, a very strong pressing game. And you've seen goals from um, Mason Mount, two goals from Mason Mount, just by virtue of pressing the the central defender or the or the number six. So there's a really really noticeable shift in the way they play. Much more mobile. Um, even Jorginho is getting up and down the pitch a lot more. Kovacic is, is also. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the, the last weekend was the, the youngest sort of Chelsea side ever ever put out, I think. So you've got um, a lot of youth. You've got a lot of enthusiasm. Um, Tammy Abraham's been given the nod as the, the number nine. And, and I think that's that's because he, he can press. He want, Frank wants guys who are mobile and able to press and... And what that means I is think Giroud. Tammy is also sorry, sorry, George. I think Tammy's also a very natural goal scorer. I mean, I've looked yeah. at the four goals he scored in the last couple of games, and they're not, you know, world class goals. They're just a guy who's in the right place at the right time, who's been able to put the ball in the back of the net. And at the end of the day, that's his job is to get that ball in there anyway. How and he did it last year in the championship, and he's been able to translate that into the Premier League so far. I mean, he scored. A couple of scrappy goals, to be honest, but it really doesn't matter. A goal's a goal. Yep, yep, and 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 and, the, and you know, two goals in in two games, uh, you know, will do wonders for his confidence as well. Because I think that the first few weeks he was he was having a lot of chances. If you, if you cast your mind back to that Man U game, he's he, in the first few minutes he hit the post, and you know, if, if that went in, um, I think the goals would have come a bit earlier. But um, so he he's looking he's looking good and. And if you if you if you kind of uh, uh, you've got Pulisic in there as well, and we we all know how young he is, and he's sort of still getting adjusted to the Premier League, but he's shown flashes. He just needs to uh, you know build on some consistency, 
So, I mean, they're the positives. And you've also got Callum Hudson-Odoi, who's going to come in in the next few weeks as well. So, that that's really good. So, going forward, oh, I'm really happy. And I think all the Chelsea fans are really happy. Uh, the, the the huge issue we've got, and if you if you think if you look at every goal we've conceded, I would say probably ninety percent of them have been on the break. You know, so we're we're pressing, we're going forward, but the minute the minute we have a corner or the minute we lose the ball, it's con- consistently being exposed on the break, and um, the back very reminiscent probably... of the way Frank played football himself, just never liked to get back. The oh, he, used to, he used to tackle every now and then, but. Um... <laughs> I think a big uh, uh, so if you, uh, the the central the, the back four had, has basically never played together apart from this season, so they're they're very unfamiliar with each other. Um, Kante has been out as well as Rudiger, so it, it's it's a bit of a makeshift back four five, and uh, you know. So George, system. do those do those defensive issues uh, more or less go away when you get Kante and and Rudiger back in into the team, or or is there still a, a little bit uh, tactically that Chelsea need to work on? I think there's still a little bit tactically that they need to work on, but it will make a huge difference having the best defensive midfielder in the world to uh, slot into to your midfield and, and cover your who back John four. Egan, <laughs> Bill, Billy Gilmore. Um, <laughs> But um, so I think that'll that'll make a difference. Rudiger, Rudiger coming in um, will make a, a big difference as well. And I, I think uh, as as well as as well as that, um, as Puigueta, um, I, I don't know how many games he started. Uh, there, there's some ridiculous stat floating around about. I think he's he's had the most minutes in the Premier League apart from I think Lloris and De Gea in the last four or five years. So yeah, and I think like, that's really showing. I, oh, definitely. I think- to be honest, I think Azpilicueta has been Chelsea's worst player. Uh, the only reason he's not being dropped is because, what, the captain's armband's been slapped around him at the moment and he's a bit of a leader at the club as one of the uh, old heads. I don't think there's any right backs who are fit at the moment who can who can slot in. Reese James is coming back to full fitness and I think we'll get to see him play a little bit as well. And I think he has been he has not been great. It's been him and Zuma have been sort of uh, influential in, in uh, us conceding quite a few goals, but... I think I think he just like he's literally start he starts every game Europe at home away uh, he plays for Spain as well like he he he's got a lot of uh, a lot of miles on the clock he's only thirty so I think just if he, if he gets a a bit of a, a bit of rest here and there I think he'll be fine. Yeah, he's some R and R. At the moment, it looks like he's running with straight legs a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, if only Chelsea had um, you know. 20 odd uh, right backs out on loan that they could call back to, to plug a gap. Ah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. Reese James, um, uh, he'll, he'll slot in in a few weeks, I think, and, and everyone will be pretty impressed with, with how he goes about it. So, overall, everyone, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty bullish about uh, we're only going to get better as the season goes on, and whether we make top four or not, that'll, that'll depend on um, how we go against the, the teams uh, in and around us. But I think the the two key things I'd like to see, obviously, are um, better performances in the second half of every game because it seems like we switch off every single second half. Um, that might be due to the um, level of pressing and running that uh, that Frank demands, and there's a, there's a sort of tail off in the second half. And um, and the other thing I'd like to see is a, a clean sheet every now and then. So if those two things happen, then I think it bodes well. Sounds good, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you more throughout the season, George, to to check in on on Chelsea. I'm sure um, I, I've still picked them for top four, but uh, you know I'm going to have to stand by that now. Uh, pretty not that far away from Chelsea on the table, uh, Damo. Uh, are your blades? And and we used to have you, we used to have you on to talk about uh, blades in the championship and championship chat, but now uh, this is ex championship chat. How does that sound? It sounds good. I mean, we've spent the last how many minutes? Five minutes or so talking about a team in the lower half of the Premier League. So we'll talk about a team now in the top half of the league, Sheffield United. Um, look, no, but all jokes aside, I think the start of the season has been it's been you know exactly what I'd expected. There's a lot of fans and a lot of teams that have underestimated Sheffield United have looked at this team as you know a championship squad that is going to try and do things in the Premier League and. In some way they are, but in the same vein, um, 
I think a lot of people are realizing that what Chris Wilder has been able to build and what he is building on is is pretty special and pretty special for for Sheffield United. You know, to be honest, I know, and I've obviously got rose tinted glasses on, but watching Sheffield United play, I think, is some of the most exciting football I've watched this season. Um, just the way they play and, and the way their style is so adaptive and fluid and and that's a major part of the way Chris Wilder wants to set up and and has done. Damo, has that style uh, changed from the uh, from the championship at all? Has, has Chris Wilder had to adapt that to the Premier League? He has. He, he has big time. I mean, there needs to be a lot more changes. Throughout the most uh, majority of last season, it was the way they played was very rem- reminiscent of. Uh, a Guardiola at Barcelona or what? No, 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 no. In terms of the third, in, in terms of the passing of the ball in the front third, it was that that mindset of keep the ball at all costs. That That's what I mean by saying that. And okay. this year, it's just unrealistic to be able to do that, right? We know that we're going to spend vast majority of the game defending and he's had to completely change and flip on ways we played last year to adapt to teams who have better players and are better squads than us. So, and I think we saw that uh, at Stamford Bridge in the last game. Uh, the start of the game, Chelsea came out and just absolutely threw everything in the first half. And it was about half an hour or so into the game, I felt there was like a switch that kind of flicked and the style that Sheffield United had played completely flipped on its head. And, you know, we saw how the game ended up. Damo, do you think... Do you think uh this sort of style or um, how Sheffield kind of play and, and and sort of sit sit back a little bit and then sort of adjust their tactics going forward is a sustainable way to play in the in the Premier League. Like it, we've seen we've seen teams come up and look good at the start and then sort of fall away. Do you think do you think Wilder's um, tactics and 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 this squad is good enough to maintain that throughout the season? I definitely do, and I think a lot of the off the off season signings over the summer were Chris Wilder bought in ten players over the summer, but we've by and large stayed with the same starting eleven, one or two changes that were playing in the back end of the championship last season, and these are players that he's brought in that are interchangeable in positions that will give him that depth that is needed to do this throughout a you know a long Premier League season, as we've seen. And to your point, George, I think, yeah, they can maintain it because if one player doesn't start, another one comes in and, and they've all bought into this mindset where they all feel as part of a group. And I think that's a lot of things a lot of clubs in the Premier League don't have that Sheffield United really, really have a big... And George, um, speaking of all of those new players that have come in, um, you know, Premier League fans and uh, listeners of more than a game will be getting a little bit familiar with your, your Billy Sharps and your Ollie Norwoods. Uh, but uh, are there any other players, maybe new players or other players in the squad that people should be keeping an eye on this season? Well, he's not a new player, but our uh, biggest signing, I think one of the most important players at Sheffield United this season is Ender Stevens. Um, Sheffield United obviously play with the back three and, Everyone now is talking about the overlapping centre-backs and we talk about it every week. But really, it's Ender Stevens on the left who he has licence to essentially be a left winger at times. He's, he's a left full-back. But the way he's played this season has been unbelievable and his performance at Chelsea on the weekend was the best I've ever seen him play. So he's a player that people are starting to take notice of that you know moving forward will be a really important player for Sheffield United and for his international team. Wasn't just Dave Aspilicueta making him look good. <laughs> I, I think the ball went. I think the ball went through Aspilicueta's legs three times. Ender Stevens, you know, we're just living in an ender world. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, Damo, and can one can Sheffield stay up? And two, uh, how high do you think they can they can finish? Well, you know, look, I still stand by. I predicted Sheffield United to finish thirteenth. I think that Sheffield United will finish comfortably clear of a relegation battle. Um, you know, we're not going to be pushing anywhere near European spots. We probably won't be pushing the top half by, you know, come the end of the season. But it'll be comfortably clear of uh, a relegation battle. And then it's, you know, an internal challenge to see how high can we finish. Any disagreement, boys? Uh, thoughts? Oh, have, we got, have we got time? <laughs> Just, um, Go on, give us, give, us a no. word on, give us a word on Sheffield, boys. What have you made of them so far? No, to, to be honest, I, I'll have to put the hand up and say I, I might have slept on Sheffield just a little bit. 
you know, d- despite getting a lot of coverage on, on the pod, so far, I've been pretty impressed with how they played, actually. Uh, do, do I think they'll finish as high as Damo? Maybe not, but I, I actually, cause I definitely see them staying up. Yeah, yeah I have to Chris, agree with Chris, you, Andy. Chris Wilder, a bit of a, a, a genius. The, the Guardiola of the championship. Sure. So. Chris Wilder, future England manager. You heard it here first. Wow. Hey. Damo, and you mentioned uh, you don't see Sheffield uh, going anywhere near the European spots this year, um, but we will get a bit closer to Europe now uh, because we've got Andy here with us as well. So we might we might get a little uh, Serie A update from you, Andy. Uh, that, that, that's a look, lovely segue. Yeah, go on, mate. Uh, well, you know, should should we, should we be excited about Serie A this season? We, we were supposed to be excited about it when Ronaldo came, but uh, you know, I don't know if I, I got I got too excited. Uh, talk us into it. Listen, if, if, if you guys aren't watching Serie A yet, you, you should be. This season, the thing that everyone should be excited about and what everyone's been craving is a competitive league. And there's, you know, in the past uh, two, three seasons ago, like Sari's Napoli ran you, they really close. And I know it sounds weird to say to people that, oh, it's a, you should definitely be watching this. The same teams won it, <laughs> you know, are now going for a ninth consecutive title. But... All the teams have strengthened and some of the bigger clubs are sort of on their way back up. And there is um, uh, some great sort of narratives amongst, uh, especially the top sides uh, in the league. Um, For example, I mean, all all the big clubs have brought in new players and the new managers. uh, There's some real personalities. Obviously, Sarri's taken over at Juventus, uh, a controversial decision for Juventus fans who have had, you know, the likes of Max Allegri and previous to that, Conte at the helm. Uh, who are very much Juventus-style managers, and Sari is a bit of a wild card uh, coming off. He's won his first ever trophy at Chelsea, but what was a season that most people would say was not a successful one. Meanwhile, over at Inter, uh, fierce rivals of, of Juventus, they've brought in Antonio Conte, former Juventus player, club legend, former manager, and really the guy that started this whole nine seasons, uh, well, eight seasons trajectory, um, has taken over and has transformed that team. Uh, you know, uh, Nap- Napoli still have one of the best managers in the, you know, in the world in Carlo Ancelotti and they're starting to play, they've they sort of come out of the Sari shadow. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. I mean, Inter, from what they've been the last couple of seasons, look like a very competitive team. And I actually, I really do think them and Napoli will push Juventus the whole way. And I do like how Conte's kind of cleaned house a bit, got gotten rid of a few big personalities, sort of his way or the, or the highway. The same thing he did with Diego Costa at Chelsea. He, he sort of come in and he said, these guys are not in the squad. And and, and what, Nangalan, no, Icardi. No, got um, back to Cagliari. Icardi finally, finally taking the Icardi circus to, to Paris. He got, he, he got his man in Lukaku and, and, he, and Lukaku's hit the ground running. And, and yeah, as, well, as well as, I, I agree well, with you. I agree with you there, George. Uh, Conte's come in and he's cleaned house and he's brought his own style of players. But in a way, all the players that he's brought in also have somewhat come as damaged goods from other clubs that didn't really want them or they didn't want to be there. So I guess it's still a bit bit up in the air. Can he get the best out of these players that are coming in? Because we know that if he can, that, that this Inter team could be brilliant. Oh, I think we've seen that already, Emma. I mean, the likes of um, Antonio Candreva, who's a, a guy who uh, Inter fans were insistent had to go in the summer, and they said he should be out along with Nyangwen, and he caused problems in the squad, and he was one of the players that was seen to be holding them back. Uh, he's actually been fantastic, and he scored a, a, a phenomenal goal, I think, in the first week against uh, Lecce. But as well as sort of getting the, a tune out of those guys, Conte's also brought in... Uh, a couple of younger guys in um, in Barella, who was uh, linked with, with Chelsea, a guy called Lazaro, who's a really tricky attacker, and uh, Stefano Sensi. And Stefano Sensi looks like an absolute world beater at the moment. He's, um, I think he's leading the league for assists. And uh, when you watch him to highlights, it's all, it's all him. Like, Lukaku's great, and um, he, he fits the team. And he's, but the, thing, the main thing is they're starting to look like a, a, a Conte team. And when you talk about him clearing a house... He's also got the fan. He's really got the fans on side, and he does that thing where he runs to the crowd and really gets people worked up. But he got them to stop singing one of their most famous songs, which is uh, Pazzo Inter, like Crazy Inter. And he said, "We're not, we're not Crazy Inter anymore. Like we're a team. We're going to compete. I wouldn't be here otherwise. Um, this is, this isn't a joke anymore." On the other side of that, 
you know, I'm, I'm still fascinated by the, the, the maverick of, of Sarri Juventus, who you might know hasn't actually been on the touchline yet. He's been out with pneumonia. Is he all right? Is he... Uh... He's back this week. Should we be worried? Uh, no, no, he's back this week. But I think the Juventus staff were a bit worried because he refused to stop smoking while he was in hospital recovering. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with his like industrial strength black tar lungs. Um, well, no more um, chewing of cigarettes in Italy. You can actually yeah, sit there and smoke them whenever smoke. he wants. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see him back on the touchline next week uh, against Fiorentina. So. Question, question on that, Andy. How long do you think it'll take Juventus to... Uh, you know, slightly tweak their play to, to fit his, his sort of ethos and style of football? Slightly tweak. Uh, it's a dramatic tweak, I, I, I'd say. But um, I think we're starting to see signs of it uh, already. I mean, in Pjanic, he's got a natural player to sit in in what was you know, previously the Jorginho role, uh, a guy who's good on the ball and, and completes lots of passes. But we're starting to see, it, it looks more like, the version of Sari ball and, and Sarismo that we saw at, at, at Napoli, which is lots of you know quick vertical triangles moving up the, up the pitch and trying to get the ball to the likes of Ronaldo as close to the box as possible. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot a lot more goals for for Ronaldo. I mean, he still he still scored twenty or something last season, but that was his lowest return for a couple of years. I, I think we're going to see him back to his uh, free scoring best. And um. Being we're talking about the other end of the pitch, obviously Delict was the big new signing. What's the general thought, you know, as Juve fans around the way he's played? Because in a lot of what I've been reading and highlights that I've seen is so far he hasn't really been that impressive when he's been on the field. He hasn't had much time, and and he played for Netherlands against uh, Germany over the weekend, and he was quite poor as well there. So, you know, what's the general thought around him? Oh, I think everyone can, can see the potential in the play. I mean, let's remember his uh, his debut at Ajax went went horribly too, and you know he's what been what probably one of their most important players. Um, and you know now become you know, he's nineteen years old. Uh, he's there with absolute professors of, of the game in uh, Kylian Bonucci. He's not there with Mikel, is he? <laughs> John Obi Mikel is a <laughs> yes, professor I saw of football. That, Colby. I saw that Colby. There was a quote uh, that came out this week from uh, Ruben Nevis uh, from Wolves saying that they used to um, they used to show them uh, highlights of uh, John Obi Mikel uh, and they all called him the professor of football and then John Obi Mikel retweeted it and was like, "Thanks guys, I'm really flattered." Not knowing that it was a fake photo. <laughs> oh yeah, so they've got the professor there to learn from. I'm glad Mikel's uh, you know still finding a use somewhere. Didn't know he'd moved yeah, into well, coaching. Anyway, well, what I was going to say is he's, uh, he's 19. He's going to get a lot more time now um, that, that Chiellini is going to be out for the next five, six months. So he's there with Bonucci. Um, they've also got uh, Mehdi Demiral, another Turkish uh, international centre-back, who's another great young player. So, yeah, I don't think fans are particularly worried. Um, there was a lot of commotion because he didn't start the first game of the season. But, again, he's a 19-year-old. He's just been brought in. And the two guys ahead of him are you know, two of the world's best defenders. So... Uh, no, I don't think I was particularly concerned about him. And Andy, you, you said that uh, this season's going to be more competitive, but realistically, uh, can anyone other than Juve win it this year? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think it, it comes down to uh, Juve, Napoli and Inter. Look, I, I still think Juventus will, will win it, but uh, it depends. Again, they've got, a new, they've got a new manager. They've got a couple of big injuries now. Um, they've got a few players who aren't really tested yet in uh so the, the new midfielders in, in Rabio and um, Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey. Uh, but the biggest problem they're going to have is, is this squad that they haven't quite managed to trim down yet. Uh, and you, you will see this week, uh, Emre Chan is extremely upset to be left out of their Champions League squad. Mario Mandzukic was also left out. Uh, they've now got a sort of bloated squad and a few players they need to move on. So uh, Sarri's biggest issue, I think, is going to be trying to keep the dressing room happy when you've got guys that should probably be playing Champions League that he thought were going to be on the way out, but they didn't manage to sell. And, uh, and Sarri's Sar- Sar- known for uh, rotating his squads too, isn't he? He's, um, exactly. you know, he gives like, everyone a fair squad. crack. Well, it's something new because uh, he's, he's got it. I think this is, this would be the biggest squad he's ever had and, um, you know, the, the biggest personalities he's, he's ever had to, to um, kind of manage and corral. And it'll be interesting to see because there's already, there's already, you know, a bit of, a bit of uh, murmuring in the in the squad for the from those guys who weren't picked in the Champions League. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, Sarri's managing finally being at a big club. 
I don't know about that, Damo. I think you're, you're forgetting no bites. Uh, whole last year. <laughs> All right, Andy, give us your top four predictions for this season. Uh, well, the top three, as, as I said, I, I think it's going to be Juve, Napoli, Inter. Um, whether it's, it's Napoli or Inter second is anyone's guess. As for fourth, real, really up in the air. It could be, uh, if I had to pick, I'd probably say either Lazio or Atalanta. Um, Atalanta were, were great last year. It's just if they can sort of transition now from uh, the, the likes of sort of Papu Gomez, who is you know, still their real spark and attack, and they've got this great front three, but... Uh, if they can sort of bring in, they've got a few great young players. If they can uh, blood them into the squad over the next uh, next season, yeah, we'll keep up to date with that throughout the season. We might even uh, tune in for a Serie A game or two if it's looking really exciting. Uh, thanks for that, Andy. Uh, staying with internationals, uh, we'll uh, take a look at the Socceroos' first World Cup qualifier against Kuwait. Great, Marles. The first window on the road to Qatar 2022, of course. Aside from three points next Tuesday in Kuwait, what are you looking forward to getting out of this week? Oh, look, I'm just excited to get it, get it all started. You know, it's, uh, I've been a year in the job and uh, you know, I've learnt a lot along the way with the players that we've got about uh, characters and the attitudes. You, know, you see them regularly playing and uh, <clears throat> you can see what they can do technically and, and tactically and physically, but it's not until you work with people that uh, you can work out and see what their mentality is like and uh, I do believe we've got a great group of boys now. We've reduced the age group from I think it was 31, 32 in Russia down to 26, 27. Uh, so it's, uh, it's an exciting time for a lot of uh, inexperienced boys but also you know, for the experienced boys to, to step up as leaders. Yes, boys. So the road to Qatar 2022 uh, will kick off uh, with the ruse uh, overnight Tuesday slash Wednesday morning uh, as they take on Kuwait uh, in their first match in the second round of World Cup qualifiers. Um, we're at the start of another qualifiers campaign. So quick reminder on how that's going to work. So for, for the AFC in which the, the Socceroos are sitting, um, teams are going to go through four rounds to complete to compete for 4.5 slots in Qatar 2022. So that's four direct and one via the Interconfed playoffs. Um, and, and that's going to remain, the Qatar 2022 is going to remain at 32 teams despite the proposed 48. Um, because of uh, our decent ranking in Asia, the Ruse will automatically start in the second round, um, which consists of eight groups, the winner of each and the best four runners-up going through to the third round. Uh, before we get your thoughts on this game, uh, Damo and George, uh, let's have a quick look at the Ruse squad. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got Ryan in there, um, Moy, Luongo's in, uh, Taggart's in, but maybe an injury cloud over him. Deganak's in after sort of coming back and signing on that permanent deal with Red Star. Uh, biggest out, I would say, is probably um, Rogic, uh, who's injured. You might be surprised to hear. Overall thoughts, uh, boys, on the squad? Um, Look, uh, I think... Oh, yeah, go down. Go ahead, George. Oh, oh, well, I'm just excited to, to, to kind of see the, um, the guys who are playing in Europe uh, who've started the season in Europe coming in and, and, and making an impact on, on the squad. So specifically, you know, Brandon Barello and Alima uh, Beal um, coming in and showing some decent form. Like Barello's playing in the, in the Bundesliga, you know, just getting starts. And I think that's really exciting for us. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I was reading something the other day, you're talking about Barello, that he's he's really facing an uphill battle, that his, his club's got a, you know, a wealth of wingers that he's competing with, which obviously is only going to, you know, improve him as a player. And he has started uh, one of the games so far this season. So he's obviously considered as one of the best wingers that they've got. And I think I read somewhere they've got nine wingers in their first team squad. So, um, you know, that's good signs. And, and I think it'd be exciting to see him. And in my opinion, he and Mabil have to start for us uh, in this game. Yeah, I agree, Damo. Um, it's not often um, we have too many players uh, starting in top leagues these days. So I think you've got to capitalise when you've got someone who's playing, you know, week in, week out and, and reportedly doing quite well. Um, Borello and, and Mabil have to have to start for me as well. But overall thoughts on the squad, um, we, we tweeted this when the squad came out um, and I was having a bit of a look at it, but the, the average caps of the players now is 21 caps and you've got 12 players in that squad with, with 10 caps or fewer. Uh, and in terms of goal scorers, Leckie is is the top goal scorer with nine at the moment, nine international goals. So, 
Um, yeah, o- obviously some players had to be left out with um, injury and fitness concerns, um, particularly the guys playing in the A-League, um, Rogic being the biggest out that I mentioned before. But, um, boys, uh, do you think the likes of Robbie Cruz, Troisi, who's still clubless at the time of recording, and uh, and Tommy Juric have played their last game for the Roos? Oh, maybe not Juric. But he might come in at some point. But I, I think it's a... I think we've been talking for a little while about the Socceroos transitioning, you know, and I think this is a, a proper transitioned sort of squad now. I mean, Milligan's still in there, um, I believe. Uh, yep. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and, and, and he's playing in third or fourth tier uh, UK yeah, football. But um, aside from kind of him, um, it, it, it's got sort of a, a, a different look to it, I think. Uh, a fresher look, but with that comes, you know, as Colby was saying, a, a bit of unknown because, you know, there aren't a huge amount of experienced guys in, in, in the team or, uh, I mean, Bache comes to mind as someone who's played, been, been in and around the squad, Matty Ryan, Aaron Moy, but apart from those guys, it's sort of got a, quite a different feel and it, it's almost like a new look kind of team. Yeah, just on that new look, George, um, yeah, a lot of lot of players in the squad with um, not very many caps. Who are you hoping to see get a run? Well, it's, it's an obvious one, and you mentioned he might be injured, but uh, I'm excited to see Adam Taggart. I mean, he's he's uh, what top scorer in career. He's banging goals for fun, and it looks like he's finally, you know, uh, reached that potential where he he's been promising for a long time. And you know, an informed striker playing for the Socceroos uh, is is something we haven't seen in so long. So it, it, and and in the past, uh, it's been a bit of a thankless job being the number nine for the Socceroos. Um, you don't get a lot of chances, you don't get a lot of service, and you do a lot of running. But you know, if we've got a, a guy who's you know able to pull the trigger from anywhere, and he's 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 sort of uh, in really really red hot form, I'd be really excited to see the Roos playing to suit his game. You know, feed him chances, give him give him the ball, like let him do his thing, and. And that'll be something that we haven't seen in a long time. So with these yeah. like inf- informed wingers we've got, um, and, and you know you've got the obvious class of Aaron Moy, who who will be keen to actually play and get some game time. Like feed Taggart if he's fit. You know, I, I'm, I'm that's what I want to see. I want to see him get chances and him take chances. And um, you know, for once we'll 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 score a lot of goals instead of scrapping goals or relying on penalties or corners and and the like. No, let's go for it. Let's. Let's bang in four or five a game and, and um, you know, get excited. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, I mean, it feels like for years that we've been trying to pin a number nine as a starting role for Australia. You know, pretty much since Viduka, we haven't really had this, you know, centrepiece number nine. Cahill did his job there very well. But then since then, there's there's been really no one that's taken it and gone, this is my spot. And, and I personally think the two number nines we've got in the squad, uh, or two of them, there's Gianu there as well, but McLaren and Taggart, uh, they're the two that one of them really needs to go, look, this is my spot. I'm just going to have to keep scoring and scoring. And, you know, one of them needs to do it. So they're in good friendly competition with each other. And I agree with you, George, that one of them or both of them are going to just start banging in goals at some point. Boys, I'm pretty keen to see a bit of uh, John Suter. Um, the young centre-back um, who plays for Fleetwood in the championship on loan from Stoke. Um, he's a former Scotland junior international um, with an Aussie mum. Um, but I think it's it's a good opportunity for him to, to put himself in the in the frame for some minutes in beside Deganak with um, Sainsbury lacking a bit of match fitness and, and questions over how involved Milligan might be or, or where and when he might be deployed. So, um, you know, thinking Arnie might want to get a bit of a look at him in some of these uh, qualifiers. So, yeah, very, very interested in, in seeing a bit of him. Yeah, that, that's a good shout, Cole. That's a good shout. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm also uh, on, on the centre-back position. I mean, uh, with the level Deganak's been playing, um, you know, he's, he's got to be in there. But that, that position, you know, Trent Sainsbury's been a lock there for a long time. And I think he's a quality player. But, you know, uh, he, he often makes questionable... Uh, Club uh, move decisions, and and, I, and and his latest one is a bit of a head scratcher for mine. And um, you know, uh, I'm not saying that um, Sudar will, will will be the long term um, solution, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes because he's playing at a 
higher level than Sainsbury. Yeah, that's that's right, George. And um, I think that it's just so important. Um, obviously, you know, not not sure um, how the Israeli league is going to lift um, Trent's level, but look, the key for him is obviously just to be playing football, right? And at the moment, he isn't. He's just joined the club. Um, so hopefully, you know, by the next uh, qualifier. Um, he will have had some games in, in under his belt and um, a bit of match fitness there would help as well because a lot of those mistakes we've seen from Trent um, has come when, you know, he's just getting time at international level just basically because of his name and because of um, the, the quality that he obviously does have. But a lot of those mistakes, you know, are creeping into his game, I would say, because of fitness issues. Um, so, yeah, look, I don't think uh, Sutar is going to be the long-term replacement. And I don't think Trent will be replaced long-term if he can keep himself playing. But, yeah. Look, we need someone to slot in there who's who's fit and getting games. And boys, just on um, just on Kuwait themselves. While we're expecting the biggest threat in this group to come from Jordan, um, who who ranked ninety seventh, um, we we know never to underestimate Asian opposition, particularly away from home. And Kuwait, um, have shown some early intent with a seven nil drubbing of Nepal on their first match day. Um, don't know whether you saw the highlights, boys, but uh, yeah, did, did, who should we be watching watch out for? One, sorry, um, <laughs> you, yeah. you didn't. You didn't see that one, Andy. No, no. I thought you've been Australia following here, Kuwait, guys. but get I mean, talk, talk uh, us through it, boys. Who's the uh, Who's the Kuwaiti <laughs> Messi, boys? The Kuwaiti Messi. I think the guy you're looking for is uh, called Yusuf Nasser. He got uh, two goals in qualification. Good shout. <laughs> um, <laughs> he plays. He plays. Oh, he plays in a team called. Um, uh, Al Qaeda, which I've got to be honest, I misread and thought it was a different organisation. She <laughs> 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 whiz. Um, look, yeah, I, I, I did see his goals in the Nepal game. Um, you know, they weren't. I mean, there are a few traffic cones in that Nepal team. Just let me <laughs> say that. <laughs> um, but I, I, look, I had my eye on another another bloke um, called Abdullahi Mawi. Uh, Abdullah Mawi. Uh, he wears the number eight um, for, for all the listeners to identify him. Um, his his goal against Nepal was particularly well taken, little dink over the keeper, and he normally plays on the right flank and can sort of looks like he can sort of cut in and um, be a bit of a threat. So he, he'll be one I'll be keeping an eye on. A- anyone else, boys? We should be keeping an eye on in the in the Kuwaiti team, or we'll just have to Kuwait and see. Yeah. Yeah. we'll have to Kuwait yeah, yeah, and see. Thanks, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, what kind of game are you predicting uh, here, boys? Look, I I feel like it's going to be a very typical AFC away game. Kuwait are going to try and slow the game down at every point. They're going to try and frustrate us. It, it, difficult conditions on a difficult pitch. It's, yeah, it's I, a very I'm, similar I'm, story every time we play uh, in the Middle East in that kind I'm, of area. On that, Damon, I'm looking forward to the uh, the, the, the the pre-match pitch analysis. Uh, it's always exciting in, in in these away days, hearing about you know how bad the pitch is and, and what's been happening with the pitch and, and how it yeah. affect us. But um, no, I'm I'm hoping for an early goal for the Roos, and then we can start um, playing our football as opposed to one of those games where uh, it's sort of nil all at the 60, 70th minute, and we start getting a little bit frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a way expecting it to be a frustrating game. Um, it's never easy to play there as, as sometimes as you never know anyone. You don't know what to expect from any of these teams quite often. And, you know, I agree with you, George. An, an early goal for Australia is kind of needed to settle the game or, you know, that anxiety kind of builds in, you know, where are we going to score and how are we going to score? And that's when we're really not at our best. We start lumping the ball and we haven't got anyone to lump it to and everything goes out the window. So yeah, I agree with you. And an early goal is really important. Yeah. And I, and uh, I boys, it has to be said as well. Colby, I was going to say, I want to, I want, I was, I'm hoping to see more of a, an Arnold's identity or imprint on this team. You know, the, he, I, I, I want to, I want to be able to watch the ruse and be like, that's Arnie's influence. This is, this is how we play. What is Arnie's style? Sorry. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what Arnie's style is, having having seen you know. I, I guess what eight or nine. I don't know how many games he's yeah. been um, in charge for, but I, I couldn't tell you what his style is. That's what I'm saying. Well, take, I think well, t- the Sydney, the Sydney FC Central Coast Mariners. I mean that that that's his imprint on the game. Um, that style of uh, fast moving, uh, fluid uh, forwards, and um, scoring a lot of goals, and uh, we haven't seen that uh, for for the Roos. So. 
I want to be able to kind of at the end, you know, at the end of this sort of qualification, I want to be able to see uh, or be able to, like you, Cole, be able to say, well, that's how that's how we play. Yeah, and and looking back uh, to the last time these two teams met, which was actually in October 2018, the Roos um, came up 4-0 winners. In terms of this game, I'm, I'm predicting uh, Awa Mobile to feature and influence the game quite heavily. He's, um, he's started 9 out of 10 for Mitchelland in all comps, and he's got four goals um, in those nine appearances. Still just 23, and he did score in that last match against Kuwait, um, and I think he's going to be ready to really step up for the Roos and, and be one of the mainstays and, and shoulder that responsibility. Look, I'm actually excited to see how Arnold uses Mobile. Because the last time the Roos were playing, um, I actually thought Mobile would be most useful in behind the striker as a 10. I thought that's where he was performing the best. And it may give us an opportunity to be able to start all three of Leckie, Mobile and Borello with Mobile through the middle. Because we, we've tried Leckie there. We've tried Leckie as a nine. But at the end of the day, Le- Leckie is at his best on the wing. And I think Mobile is that player that can step in as a 10 and he's very creative and he can get beyond the striker and he works hard. And, and like uh, Colby said, he's only young and he's just, he's like a sponge at the moment. He's learning everything and he's getting so much better. I think it's a good shout, Damon. He's not afraid to take a shot from outside the box either. So coming in, you know, com- coming in from that 10 position, he'll get plenty of plenty of opportunity to do that. All right, boys, score predictions. Uh, Damo. I think uh, Shreya will get up 2-0. I'm going to say 4-1. Wowee, yeah, I'm going to say 3-1. I don't see us keeping a clean sheet, but I, I think we should uh, get the job done here. Very good. All right, boys, that'll that'll just about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks again uh, for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail on Anchor anytime by going to anchor.fm slash more than a game slash message or slide into our emails at mtagpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or if rubbish memes and banter are more your thing, find us on social media at More Than A Game Podcast on Facebook or at MTAG Podcast on Twitter. Next week, we'll review match day five of the Premier League, look back on the ruse against Kuwait, and look ahead to the first match day of the Champions League group stages. In the meantime, enjoy the football. Mm-hmm.